So, Gray, you thought stickers were bad. Mm. We are now living in the world of animated emoji. An emoji is here, Gray. How do you feel about an emoji? <sighs> I have mixed feelings. Oh. I have mixed feelings. Oh, about okay. An emoji. So we're not we're not like in a world of hating on it necessarily. No, we're not in a world of, of hating on an emojis. I mean, would it be possible to hate on an emojis entirely? I don't know. This robot face, it's it's pretty cute. I'm just noticing now, as I'm looking at an emojis on my phone, that the robot face, the triangle nose, you can make you can make the nose move back and forth. <laughs> It's not obvious that you're playing with an emoji right now, huh? <laughs> no, it's not. Like, uh, yeah, this is you got nothing but 100% focus here. But yeah, if yep. you if you screw your mouth in a very exaggerated manner, you can make the little triangle on the robot's nose move back and forth. This is the future, Mike. iPhone X, welcome to the future. The future is animated. Animated emojis. So as well as the wonder of Animoji, which honestly is high up there as one of my favorite features of the iPhone 10, we obviously both have one. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I have for you about the iPhone 10 is if the size of this phone does a better job of fitting within your optimum size for an iPhone. Yeah, so these past many years, I've been unhappy with iPhone sizes. Mm-hmm. Regular iPhone too small, plus too big. And I've had this now for, I guess, what has it been like five days, six it's, days? It's a week. It's effectively a week. I'm giving it a cautious thumbs up. Hmm. I, think, I think I like it, but I'm also aware that with the sizes of the other phones, it's the, it's the little things over longer periods of time that eventually become intolerable, that, that make you start being annoyed by phone size but so far i'm pretty happy and the one place where the phone size really struck me a magical moment was coming from being a a plus user i had the iphone x in my pocket i was getting ready in the morning to go out go go to work and i sat down in a chair to put on my shoes to tie my shoelaces and i realized oh I don't have to take the phone out of my pocket <laughs> to comfortably be able to reach over and tie my shoes. You don't incredible Hulk the situation and just like rip your jeans in half because the phone's trying to break out. Yeah, it's a thing that I had never quite realized that I do, that I had gotten in a habit of taking the phone out of my pocket before putting on my shoes and tying my shoelaces or always regretting it if I forgot. And it's, it's like, oh, wow, what a delightful experience. Like I can, I can reasonably bend with the phone in my pocket without it being uncomfortable. So for that alone, I was like, oh, thank you so much, iPhone X. This is way better. I really appreciate this in terms of size. So pocket size, I am much happier. Handling size, like I said, I'm giving it a, a, a mediocre thumbs up. For now, I suspect I'm going to be really happy with this, but I just don't want to go all in on, on saying like, oh, this size is perfectly fantastic when I know it can sometimes take a little while uh, to really settle into a, a new phone size as a device. How are you finding it, though, Mike? You were the, what do I want to say, like proprietor, founder of the Plus Club? Mm-hmm. Low these many years ago. How How are you finding it? going down in, in size, turning in your top hat as chief Pumbaa of the Plus Club and going 
to the excise? How do you find it? I love it, actually. Um, yeah? I honestly don't feel like there's a difference. Like When I'm using it, like from a screen size perspective, which is what I was always wanting, like I just wanted the most information on my phone screens I could possibly get. And I really feel like the 10 delivers on that. Like I've I've done some tests with it, like looking at like how many emails can I see, how much how many tweets can I see on a screen, how many lines of notes in a notes app, and by and large it's exactly the same amount as the plus. So hmm. I get the same kind of information density in most instances in a much smaller phone. So in regards to moving away from the plus club, it's working fine for me. Like I'm having no problem with it. Like if and when Apple makes a bigger version of these, will I move again? Yeah, I will. Because I always just want the biggest screen I can have. That's what I want from my iPhone, is just to have the biggest screen possible. Because whenever I'm using it for anything, I always want more screen. Like it's, hmm. you know, I would, honestly, the ideal for me is like the size of the iPhone Plus, but with a screen like the iPhone 10, that would be, that would be like incredible. What if they put a cellular chip in an iPad mini? iPad mini is too big. It's still got to fit in my jeans pocket. And like, okay, I, right. I know that like that, that can be tricky, right? Like, because you can already get cell connected iPad minis, right? But the, 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 the plus phone will still fit in my pocket, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I want. I still want to be able to put it in my pocket. So that's the upper limit we're, we're reaching here is the volume of your pocket. Exactly. Because anything that can't fit in my pocket, in my opinion, is not a phone. Okay, right? It's right. something else at that point. If you hmm. need if you need a bag for it to take it somewhere, it's not a phone. Then it's not a phone. Or it's a very very old phone. Yeah, I know that it's different for ladies, right? Because ladies' pockets are smaller and they put their phones in bags. But for me, like I I don't want to take a bag, um, so it has to fit in my pocket. Hmm. But from a overall hardware perspective, this is my favorite iPhone of all time. When did you begin your journey with iPhones? What was the first one you had? The original. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're right at the start I've had every iPhone except the 3GS. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. And the 8 now, of course. Well, I'm not 100% sure that that counts, but okay. All right, that's interesting. I've had a phone in every revision, right, except the 3GS. I didn't get the 3GS. Hmm. Because I think all it did was add speed and video recording, which wasn't enough for me. Ah, okay. All right. Not enough of an upgrade for you. Not then, because it was harder for me to to afford the phones, right, because I was much younger. Hmm. Well, then, since you started at the beginning, uh, I started in the four line. You're the perfect person to ask because I'm looking at the phones and I feel like they're doing an intentional callback to the first phone. But I, I don't think I've ever even handled an original iPhone, let alone ever owned one. So I've, I've only seen pictures of it. I'm just, I'm kind of wondering, like, do you, do you think that it, that impression is? Right, like there's something about the curves, particularly on uh, what I've seen of the the silver versions. It, like it looks like it, it just looks reminiscent of the original iPhone in the hardware design. So there are a couple of elements of the ten that call back to two in my mind iPhones and like two classic mm-hmm. designs. So there is kind of the one of the original where even though it had an aluminium back, it had like a polished frame that went around the glass. So when you were looking at it, it was shiny. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, off the top of my head, I can't remember what that material was, whether it was a metal or a plastic or whatever that went around the edge of the screen. But when you looked at it, it was shiny. Like how if you have the silver iPhone ten, the stainless steel is shiny and it looks like that, right? So it's reminiscent of that. 
then there's a lot more, you know, the, the edges are curvier these days than they have been in the past. But then also the iPhone 4, which is considered by many to be the best looking iPhone, had glass front and back like this phone does. So mm-hmm. it, this the, the iPhone 10 reminds me of both of those phones, like the original a little bit um, because of the shiny border that went around the outside and also the glass front and back of the iPhone 4. It reminds me of that too. Look at you, Mike. You're like a real iPhone historian. Here. I am. I am. I, you know, I guess I have, I have the chops. But this one, <laughs> this one is just, it's it really is wonderful. It's the most luxurious feeling iPhone that I've ever used as well. Like everything about it feels extremely premium. Like I kind of get, I kind of get what you mean, but like my main interest in this phone is simply that it is a different size. So I feel like thumbs up to the different size. That's great. And I just, I, I feel a bit like the, there's many, many things that are different about this phone, but I'm mostly just like, yeah, it's fine. You know, hmm. it's, it's, it seems really good. Uh, I'm happy with it, you know, thumbs up, but, uh, it feels, it feels like it's another phone and I'm, I'm just happy that it's a different size, but I don't feel like, I, I wouldn't say that I, I'm in the same camp as you as feeling like, Ooh, I have a, like a gorgeous luxury object. I feel like I, I have a new phone and the screen is bigger and that's great. And it's a different size, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. Uh, like I'm very happy to pay for the phone to get the different size. Uh, that's, that is my, my main interest here. What about the notch? How do you feel about the notch? I like I swear it's almost like the notch is in some kind of visual blind spot for me. Like I I am almost weirded out by how little I notice the notch. It's yep. it's it's somehow in my vision I just don't see it. Like do you you feel the same way? I forget it's there and then every yeah. now and then I open a, an application that's like all white. And I see mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of like, we've never looked that far up our phones before, <laughs> right? So we're not used to it. <laughs> a phone has never been this long. I've yeah. never had to look that it's vertical. Like, why, why, why would my eyes go there? Um, and I think the other part of it is that like a lot of applications, I mean, basically, you know, all of the optimized applications, it blends in, right? They do a really good job, I think, of making kind of the top of the screens blend in really well. So it's only, I think, when there's like a really stark contrast that I notice it. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll use it. If we can put it in the show notes, I think um, probably the best version of this is like carrot weather uh, because they almost always have like these solid color backgrounds. Like they're, they're just going up around the edges of the, mm-hmm. the notch. And I always, th- I think it looks gorgeous, but I am aware that like, like I have to intentionally look at the notch to be aware that it's that it's there. But that's great though, right? That's what you that, that's the, that's designed at its best, I guess. So right? that you don't notice what is essentially a flaw in the screen, right? Like having a notch of it taken out. And it makes sense in retrospect why Apple was pushing really heavily in their design documents for uh, like the embrace the notch idea with design, where they're like, no guys, guys, trust us. Like you have to just roll with this and and use the color in the top of the screen because the place i it's so strange but the place i notice the notch the most is actually on applications that hide it so uh yes mm-hmm. for for example um one that i think is always going to work this way uh which i'll just use, so i can use it as an example is the youtube app so if you start playing a video in the youtube app and you're holding the phone in portrait mode uh, the video has always played at the very top of the screen. Now, of course, because the notch is there, they can't actually put the video at the very top of the screen. They put it just below the notch. 
but then there's nothing to flow up to the top of the screen. So the YouTube app just blacks out the top bar. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then it's like, okay, in theory, you're hiding the notch. Like I can't actually see where the notch begins and ends versus where the screen begins and ends. That's where the screen is actually black. But then it's, it's suddenly like really noticeable. And, and this is 100% reverse the reaction I would have expected to have. I was thinking, oh, I hope those developers don't embrace the notch and they stick with blacking out the top bars because surely that will look better, but it doesn't. Like nope. I don't know how that's possible, but it it doesn't look better that way. That is when I suddenly become aware of the notch at the top of the screen is is when people are trying to hide it. I think what's happened is because so many apps updated and in, and kind of embraced it and designed around it and flow color and backgrounds up to the top. When you see an application that doesn't have it, a lot of the time it's because it hasn't been updated, right? So there's apps that are kind of in like a letterbox window mode if they've not updated. So Mm. I think when you see an app that has updated for the 10, but then decides to black it out, it looks like it's old. Yeah, maybe a little bit like that. I do have to say this is the best version of the phone where non-updated apps still look okay. Yeah, I I always wonder, like, how much does Apple go out of their way to make non-updated apps for whatever their new devices look great? And it feels like not much because they don't have any incentive for that. Uh, But this is this is the only phone where I can use non-updated apps and it's it's no problem at all. Like they just sort of float in the middle of the screen. And I think it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, I think the OLED screen helps a lot with that because the blacks are so black that it looks like she's part of the phone. Yeah, the old yeah, the OLED screen definitely helps. But I'll tell you what, Mike, my favorite thing about the notch. A feature, as far as I'm concerned, is the notch has forced Apple to get rid of the dumb cell phone carrier names in the little status bar <laughs> at the top. <laughs> I have, for, for years, there is a, a, a network carrier in the UK called 3. And so their little symbol is just a number 3 in the status bar. And I have not wanted to switch away from them for years Almost entirely because of the fact that they have the smallest network indicator in the status bar at the top of the screen. And earlier this year, they rolled out some feature which was like three Wi-Fi calling. Oh, I yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. And so when I was at home one day, all of a sudden the status bar at the top of my screen says three Wi-Fi calling across the top. On, on my previous phone. I was like, what the hell is this? And I was I was going to literally switch phone networks over that before I discovered that you can just turn off the function of three Wi-Fi calling on the phone. So I was like, I never use this phone as a phone anyway. Boop, feature off. Like, give me back my old tiny indicator. Uh, so I, I, I really hated a bunch of junky stuff up in, in the status bar. And so the notch forces them to get rid of that. It only shows up on the lock screen. I love that and then plus there was one other one other little moment of delight for me a moment where i thought oh i'm so happy right now which is i have always run my iphone without showing the battery percentage it's like anything i can do to minimize information on my phone i will always take that option but there was a thing that always felt like apple sticking their thumb in my eye which was if you enabled low power mode on the phone it would force the battery percentage back in the display and it just always drove me crazy like why like who is who is the engineer who programmed this behavior which is like oh you don't like the battery percentage well in low power mode we're gonna force you to see it but now there's no space there they can't do it so i finally have low power mode without the battery percentage and i like i cannot tell you 
how disproportionately happy that makes me. So this is total win. My, a total unexpected favorite feature of the notch is it pushes out all of this junky, superfluous information in the status bar. I totally love it. Long live the notch. I have Wi-Fi calling with EE, right? <laughs> and uh, on the new phone, EE mm-hmm. Wi-Fi call doesn't fit in the notch. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what they do? Is it EE Wii? Nope. It's like a little carousel. So do you oh, remember? It, it scrolls. It scrolls. Do you remember on the iPods that you could get like a title of the song and it just starts moving? Yeah, that's what this does. Oh. So EE Wi-Fi calling is just scrolling across the top of my screen. <laughs> Like a like a like some kind of ad at Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> That's fantastic. Just on the lock screen, right? Yeah, just on the lock screen. <laughs> I hate it, but I need Wi-Fi calling because I get such bad reception in my house. Yeah, but luckily I never see it for that long. But it's like I'm so pleased that they got rid of it on the lock screen, like on the home screen, because it would drive me mad. I couldn't have something just spinning constantly. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. That's a terrible design. It's like, mm-hmm. guys, make up a symbol and the symbol means Wi-Fi calling and just leave it at that, right? <laughs> like all these words that you have to read in your mind. Uh, that is that is terrible. I'm sorry that you can't disable the feature because you don't have cell phone connection out where you are. Yeah, uh, in but, the outer uh, rim. Yeah, well, well, you're in you're in like the inner outer rim now. The inner you're outer. Moved, that's good. That's you've good moved news. closer. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by our friends at Casper. Casper are the company focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you want to make sure it's as best as it can possibly be. And that's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the US and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. Let me tell you one of my favorite things about Casper mattresses. That's the unboxing. Not only do they come in a box that's small enough to get upstairs and like that actually one person can move on their own if they want to, when you take it out of the box, you kind of take it out of the wrapping and you put it on the bed and the thing breathes to life. It's quite a wonder to behold and then you're going to sleep nice and comfortably on that beautiful mattress. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash cortex and using cortex at checkout terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash cortex and offer code cortex for $50 towards any mattress purchase. We thank Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I've got a question for you, right? With moving the home yeah. button has brought about a bunch of gestures, right? Like swiping up gestures and, and that kind of stuff. Like you swipe up to go home, swipe up for multitasking. How are your hands dealing with that? Okay, I feel like there's, there's two questions here. But the question I, th- I think you're asking, if, I think that I'm, I'm hearing in your voice is related to a thing that we've discussed many times on the show, which is RSI. Uh-huh. Like, like I, I hear, I hear the sound of pain in your voice. Yeah. So, um, I have had 
no problems with any kind of RSI. Uh, whereas when it, uh, what was it, on the, on the 6, when the 3D Touch came in, or maybe it was the 5, I don't remember when, when that came in. But that, that is a feature that I use uh, extremely rarely because it, it will give me pain in my hands. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I'm a very, very light 3D Touch user. But with this phone and with a bunch of gestures, I've, I feel like I've, I've had nothing. I'm noticing no pain in my hands, but it sounds like you have pain in your hands. I have pain in both of my hands as bad as the MX mouse gave me. Whoa. Wait, both of you, like, are you are you hot potatoing the phone between your hands to try to minimize RSI? I don't. What's going on my, over there? I don't use my phone with just one hand. It's I'm I'm uh, was it ambidextrous with my phone. Like I don't okay. have. How, however, I'm coupling this with. I've also been playing uh, a lot more on Nintendo Switch than usual in the last few days. Like there is actually there seems to have been like a combo between getting the iPhone and nintendo like coming at the same time i've been playing a lot of and i've been spending time with a lot of both right Mm -hmm. so i've been adapting to a new phone whilst also playing significantly more video games than usual Mm -hmm. and i think and hope that the combination of both of these things is causing me to have pretty bad rsi right now um Mm. i remember when i switched to the plus i had some problems too and I think it was just like an, an adaption phase and also a case of like, I'm using my phone way more than I usually do. Like there would be times where I would never pick up my phone in a daytime, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. just using my iPads. But since I've got this phone, I've been playing with it constantly because it's a new toy and I like to play with new toys, right? So I'm hoping it's just a combination of those. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Yeah, that's 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 pretty serious. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that you're right. It is just an an adaption period plus a playing period, and it's also it's compounded with a lot of Nintendo and and playing and Nintendo in handheld mode. I don't think it's the best thing for your hands because the controls aren't incredibly laid out and it's heavy. Mm. So I think it might be a combo of all of these things together. Yeah, well, we can. We can get to some Switch talk later in the yeah. show, Mike. Good, uh, good. That, that can be a thing. We, don't, we can have many devices on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, though, just about playing with the phone uh, a million times more. Uh, because e- even like I said, I'm, I'm mostly interested in the new size. But whenever you do have a new device, it's like, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside an afternoon to just kind of mess around with the phone and, and see what's different and see how things change and see how I'm going to set up different stuff. So it's, yeah, it's like my iPhone use over the past week uh, is also not a normal graph of what iPhone use looks like because I keep messing around with it and adjusting and seeing different things and trying out face ID and, and learning new gestures and stuff. So I can't say that I've been having any problem with RSI. I will say that there is a there is a thing that I'm kind of concerned about in the iOS world, which is just the the gestures and their differences between devices, which is kind of driving me crazy. The interactions now between an iPad and an iPhone in terms of what the very same gestures do being different is driving me a little nuts. Uh, like what happens when you swipe up from the bottom on an iPad or versus an iPhone? They're totally different things. Or, you know, how do you get to multitasking? It's like, well, these are different gestures on the different devices. Where's control center? How do you get to control center? These are different gestures on different devices. And 
that kind of inconsistency I find really frustrating because it's it's like I can't I find myself not being able to effortlessly move from one device to the other and, and like when I'm on my iPad I find myself doing the wrong gestures and then I go back to the phone and it takes me a second to realize like oh right I have to do this gesture this way so I'm hoping this is just a temporary phase in the product life cycle but I am a little bit concerned by the weirdness of the different interactions across the the different devices um I'm I'm hoping that there can be something a little bit more unified in, in approach in the future um particularly with the multitasking I, I'm I'm really not a fan of the multitasking on the phone I think that a lot of that stuff's going to get revised honestly like I, mm-hmm. I I can see that like they've used a swipe up gesture in both areas right so there's like there is an attempt in my opinion at some kind of unification mm-hmm. and I think that as we go forward those things are going to become more similar than than they currently are that that's the way that I look at it yeah, I hope so. I, f- I find the uh, app switcher on the phone is just uh, like an awkward gesture. I think like many people, I'm trying to figure out what's the way that works the best for me. And the way the way Apple pitches it as swipe up and pause, I think for any gesture that you're going to invoke many, many times, a, a pause is yeah totally unacceptable. Yeah, the multitasking gesture is 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 wonky at best just in the case like i've spoken about it on a few shows and i and everyone's telling me the right way to do it and everybody's right way is different like everybody has their own way of invoking this gesture and everybody's is better yeah so i I am doing a quarter circle that starts from the bottom of the phone (laughs) this is the thing right like it's like oh i'm flying in from next door and then like it's you know it's like a whole big thing so i just i think that that gesture is not what it should be but i also don't know what the right one i mean ideally i I would like to see something that was more like the ipad but i think i think they may go that way right that you just you swipe up a little bit to go home you swipe up further to go into multitasking um but i think that they want to make it a bit easier for people to adjust and i think if you're adjusting from the iphone this is an easier way to to adjust because swiping up is a is a weird interaction when you've been so used to the home button. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree that that's probably what they're going for. I'm also betting that in testing with new users, it's the most discoverable because people will leave their finger on the screen maybe for a second too yep. long, and then multitasking pops up, and people go, "Oh, that's where it is!" Yep. Right? Uh, I, I, I'm I have this feels very much like it's designed towards new users. My my personal my personal vote on multitasking is i do like the gesture where you swipe across the bottom of the phone and it has the most recent couple of apps uh like the swiping left and right on the home indicator and it just takes you back and forward through the apps you've used right yes yeah i i I would love to use that just as um the app switcher like do this quickly enough and it just pulls up a whole bunch that you can slide back and forth between uh but that is totally not discoverable for a new user and of course, uh, you know, Control Center is a bit of a disaster on the new phone. I don't, oh, I don't think anybody's yeah. a big fan of where Control Center is. It's a nightmare. Is. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah, to get Control Center, you have to swipe down from the upper right corner. It's like the exact opposite of where it used to be. And it's not at all intuitive. Like it's and like even the animation is a disaster. Like that's not a good part of it at all. Well, there's also a minor point to me about Control Center as well, which is when you pull it down, the control center buttons and stuff, they're floating in the top half of the screen anyway. Right? So it's like, it's like, it's almost 
making sure that you have to use two hands for this gesture. Uh, because it's like, if, if in theory you were able to stretch your thumb to reach that top bit, it's like the buttons are still on the wrong side of the screen for where they're supposed to be. And for me, as a left-handed iPhone user, it's, it's especially like, oh, oh well, bye-bye, control center. It was, it was nice knowing you. And I, I find it frustrating simply because I feel like all these gestures are, are there for the notification screen, which I have no use for in the world of Apple. Like, I'm not interested in your notification screen. Please just let me get control center from anywhere instead of this like, ooh, we have, we have one tiny little space on the top of the screen where you can access control center, a thing you use many times a day. And we have the rest of the 75% of the space is there for a thing that you never use. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a bunch of changes. But I mean, that, that said, uh, I do have to say like getting rid of the home button it's totally the right choice. And even though we've just been complaining about the gestures, a, a home buttonless phone, I like it 10,000 times better than the fake home button on the, on the 7, right? Where it's like, it wasn't a real button. It was just like, they just had haptic feedback. I never liked that button. I never got used to it. And I always preferred the physical button. But now it's like, I wouldn't I wouldn't take a I wouldn't take a physical button on this phone if Apple offered it to me. I would I would just pass by it on the ground and not touch it at all because the the no home button phone is way better and yep. just feels really natural. So I like yep. big big thumbs up for that. Even if the gestures are a bit wonky and could use some some sorting out. But like that's all workable later, right? Like a, a exactly, lot of these yeah. things make sense once more people are using them and it's just software, right? So they can they can move iOS around whoever they want going forward. But the hardware design and the moves that they're making in the hardware, including Face ID in my opinion, are all mm. excellent and in the right direction. Mm. But it's such a big change that they need to do some work on the software. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. Um I am, I am liking Face ID. It's, it's very interesting as well to to have it in the hands uh, and and test it out. How how does it work for a man with, if I may say, quite a magnificent beard? Thank thank you. That's very kind of you. I expect it works as good for me as it does for you. Um, I I find an emoji sometimes gets a little bit confused in my mouth movements. Mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that I'm struggling with Face ID. So, like, there are times when it definitely doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But to be honest, like, I don't feel like I'm having more problems than I had with Touch ID. Like, Touch ID wasn't a 100% of the time type thing. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you didn't hit it just right, then it didn't work. The only times where, obviously, I'm struggling with it is, like, let's say I have my hand covering my face or something. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't work, right? Like I've, if I have my hand kind of on my chin and like covering up for most of my mouth on my cheek or whatever, like I'm just sitting there, then it doesn't yeah, work, yeah. right? So there's just little things that I'm adjusting and tweaking, but it works perfectly fine for me, right? Like I don't, and, and also it feels yeah. more natural. Face ID makes you really aware of your face in a way that oh, you never yeah. were before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very strange. Like, it's like, oh, okay. So I have my head in my hands a lot more than I thought I did. That's good to yeah. know about me. I wonder what that says. Yeah, I, like I just, I've never really thought about 
what my iPhone sees from its perspective yes. throughout the day. My phone <laughs> just sees a really grumpy person. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, it just like it just never occurred to me, but now it's a thing I have to think about constantly. It's like, oh, sitting in your little dock, you can't really see me, phone. It's it's you're way too low. I don't mm-hmm. know what you're looking at, but it's not me. <laughs> yeah, it's in it. It is interesting to think of in that way, but I I mm-hmm. I will say that I have found the Face ID to work about as good as I expected it to work. And I'm happy with that. How does it detect a stick figure? Like, have you you been doing okay with it? Well, I mean, ha ha. But I have to say, I have been having a lot of problems with Face ID. Um, Even under optimal situations. I would say that at least I've been finding it less reliable than Touch ID in terms of how often does it say, no, no, you have to enter in your passcode. It's quite a bunch for me. Like, obviously, it works more often than not, right? Just like Touch ID. But I'm getting a lot of failures in what I, th- what I think should be optimal situations, right? I'm, I'm not grumpy with my head in my hands. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like right in front of the phone and it still fails on me. It, it, it was so much in the beginning that I ended up retraining it, which I think made it a little bit better. But this is, this is also like we're in the time where there's machine learning like in everything and i know that yes. they do update the model of the face over time in theory every time yeah. you're entering your passcode it should be getting better yeah it should be getting better but i would say i'm getting a, a lot of failures on on face id more than i was getting with touch id which at least for me was just rock solid like it was it was notable when i had a touch id failure and it was always my fault like i'm just getting out of the shower well it still could be your fault but in different ways right <laughs> like in ways that you're not anticipating yeah there's n- there are not enough features on my face yeah. for face id to mm-hmm. register just have a more featureful face what's wrong with you could you make your face more face like that's what you <laughs> need uh, <laughs> but 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 even that like again so, sort of like we we're just complaining about the gestures but i, I like the buttonless phone better even if for me, Face ID's machine learning never improved, I already love Face ID way more than Touch ID. Yeah, uh, because yeah. when it works, it's magic. Uh, it makes the interaction with the phone so much faster that I think even the times I have to enter in my passcode, I'm still winning in terms of time even more. I love that other apps can use Face ID as well. Like my banking app updated to use Face ID for the login process. It's like, it's great. Uh, I really like that. Um, there's also a little thing which I've changed on my phone, which I'm, which I'm very happy about. But I realized like, oh, now that I have Face ID, I can change a bunch of settings. I know what this is. What do you think this is, Mike? The notification stuff. Okay, yeah. Not just the notification stuff. I was looking through the security settings and there's all of these questions about... What do you want to be able to have access to on the phone when the phone is in a locked state? And previously, I had all of that stuff accessible except for showing notification previews. I always turned that off because I never liked that just as a privacy oh, okay. thing. Um, I always had that disabled uh, until the phone was unlocked. So it would show like, oh, there's a message from my wife, but it wouldn't say what it is on the screen until I entered in the passcode. But now I've disabled everything right everything is disabled on there because what's the scenario where i want to access something on my phone but i'm not going to be looking at the phone right that's never well like give me an example like what sort of stuff have you disabled okay so you can disable swiping over to all of the widgets oh. right so 
So like right now, if my phone is in the locked state, no one can even look at the widgets that are on my phone, which is great because I have some of my time tracking stuff on the widgets. And I also have um, to do and OmniFocus enable you to put a little widget on that home screen. And that was always the number one thing I was aware of if somebody was ever looking at my phone was like, well, there are, it's not like it's a huge privacy deal, but I just rather not have it there where someone sees like all my weird reminders to myself. So now I've disabled all of that stuff. So you can't, you can't access the widgets on my phone unless my phone is in the unlocked state. Um, it's also access to notification center, even though I don't use it. I also disabled access to control center. So someone can't take the phone and put it in airplane mode without it being unlocked. So my phone is just like a glass slab when I hand it to someone that does nothing until it is unlocked. And I love this. I really, really love it because that's, that's how it feels like the phone should be. Like, hey, phone, you're my phone. You work for me. And if you're in somebody else's hands, you do nothing. Okay, you can show them the time, but beyond showing them the time, you do nothing. And that's great. I absolutely love that. So big, big plus for me for Face ID security-wise. And I would recommend to listeners, if you have the X, go in and disable all of that stuff. I had no idea you even could. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Yeah, like I don't want, especially like so I'm turning off Siri. I don't want somebody to have access to Siri. Yeah, like Siri is a great example. Like I've always turned off Hey Siri on the phone anyway, but it's the same thing. It's like if the phone is locked, since I can access Siri on my Apple Watch if I ever really need her for something, like I don't need the phone here. I don't need some random person being able to trigger Siri on my phone when it's locked. All of that stuff is off. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. At least at least Siri, because it's like well now you can like access a bunch of stuff. I suppose. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some restrictions Siri still has. Considering I don't even really use it that much, why does why does it need to be available to anybody? Yeah, so everything is off, or or uh, like access to home control, all of those things, all disabled. It's great, mm. fantastic. Today's show is also brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code Cortex at checkout, and you'll get ten percent off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create the website that you need to fulfill your next idea or project of a unique domain name, award-winning templates, 24-7 support, and so much more. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you put your next project online. There's nothing to install, there are no patches to worry about, and there are no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Squarespace have got you covered. No matter what type of website you want to build, they have all the tools. Maybe you want to make an online store, or maybe a portfolio for your artwork, or a blog for your new and great ideas. No matter what it is, Squarespace can help you do it. I've used them for so many websites over the years, and they are the place that I continue to go back to time and time again. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com and then use the offer code Cortex when you check out to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. One final thing that I love, that I love, Mike, hmm. is, is the wireless charging. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, so even though I'm one of those curmudgeons who still doesn't quite like the name wireless charging. Uh, wireless, like, there's wires somewhere. Yeah. Like, there is no such thing as wireless charging in this definition, Greg. There's always wires. <laughs> no, no, I just, I like, I, when I, I really want wireless charging to be the kind of charging where it charges the phone while it's in my pocket. 
Yeah, but like, how, where is the power coming from? Somewhere there's going to be a wire, like, but I don't want a wire. Like, it's, I, I, but I, it's, no, I'm just, no, I'm bringing no. this up because just to say, like, I'm a pedantic nerd on this one point. You really are. But nonetheless, I'm going to totally concede and just call it wireless because it's like, you know what? I'm going to give this to you, technology, because I love you so much. I'm just going to call you wireless and let it go. Um, and and this to me, this to me is now like, is maybe one going to be one of my go-to examples for the kind of thing where I, ju- I just think people underappreciate the benefits of, of making things just a little easier because it's like, is it hard to plug a wire into your phone? No, of course it's not, right? It's, it's a trivially easy thing to do. It's even easier if you have a dock, right? You can just like, boom, slam the phone right down and it starts to charge. But to have a little charging pad is easier still. So I've just, I've just got a couple of these, like they're not even great wireless charging pads. You need to hit it somewhat precisely on the center. So I'm looking forward to um, Apple's ones, which will let you kind of put it down anywhere. But even, even that, it's like, just putting a wireless charger in the places where I normally leave my phone, I love it. I absolutely love it so much. Anything in my life that can remove one step and make a thing easier, it is great. So 12 out of 10 stars for wireless charging. It's, it's fantastic. Everything, make my life easier technology. This is, this is what you're here for. Make my life better in big ways and make it easier in small ways. Yeah, just I'm not excited about this. It doesn't work for me with the ways that I charge my phone. So like I don't un- I don't understand okay. what you mean. So I have two docks in my house that I charge my phone on. Okay. They're both from a couple of friends of mine. They have a company called Studio Neat and they make these docks called the Material Docks. Mm-hmm. And I have one which is just my phone and one which is my phone and my watch. And you just put them in the dock and the phone's standing up, which I like. Right, mm-hmm. and with the one on my on my bedside table, I also charge my watch on the same dock. So, like my watch and my phone are all in one contained little unit. But wireless charging isn't that either of that. Like there are, there are wireless chargers which will put your phone in a in a portrait orientation. I think Samsung make one, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at some of those, and I might get one for my desk because mm-hmm. that's kind of all the, the, the phone one is. It's just a place where I stand it up. But I really like that I have in my bedroom just one charger, one little contained unit that charges everything. And I like mm-hmm. my phone to be standing up when it's charging rather than laying down. Like, mm-hmm. kind of just like the current chargers that are available, at least the ones that Apple are promoting, like the Belkin one and the Mophie one, they're kind of just these discs and you just put your phone on the disc and that kind of, it doesn't do it for me. I, I don't get any extra benefit from that at home um, than I do from the docks that I already have, honestly. Like, I don't feel like I'm really struggling to put my phone in. I just stand it up on the dock. Like, it goes in very easily and it's nicely done. Yeah, but the benefit is laziness, Mike. Laziness is the yeah, but benefit. I don't feel instead, like instead I'm of having to any work. <laughs> no, you're, you're doing a controlled landing of your phone onto the dock, right? Like, no, but the thing I, is, and I totally though, get it. I like, know I that a... like you can't just lay these things down. You have to line it up right. <laughs> and so I'm going to be constantly like, I know I'm going to be like just making sure. Oh, did I put it on the pad just right? Oh yeah, I did. Right. So yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no I, I do get it. I do get it because um. I had I had for a while uh, when I was traveling I was using a Mophie battery case on my 7 plus mm-hmm. which, let me tell you 
makes a big phone. Yeah, it's like a it's like one of those old Motorola StarTax or something at that point. <laughs> yeah. It was comically huge. Plus, that case had wireless charging in it, which was my first experience with wireless charging, and I really hated it because the base and the case had like had zero slop. Like you had to land it precisely or it wasn't going to work. And I thought like, oh, the hell of this, right? This is this is worse than just having a wire. I don't like it at all. Um, whereas I just I just got, um, I think I just got the Mophie one for my office uh, for the iPhone. And there's enough slop in there that I, I hit it on target every time. And so I absolutely love it. I'm looking forward to the Apple version, which will allow you to charge a few things. And there's, there's one big advantage here, which is it will charge the apple watch which means i don't have to bring an apple watch charger when i travel which is by far and away my my least favorite charger to bring it's it's like one charger for one device i hate bringing the apple watch charger i don't like it what's your hesitation i'm unconvinced that it's gonna work with my apple watch what do you mean i have one of these new sport loops Mm -hmm. so it doesn't you you can't like open the watch out and lay it flat because mm-hmm. the band is one consistent loop of material. Yeah. So it's not like a sport band where you take it off and you can lay it out completely flat on the desk because it's two pieces that meet in the middle. The yeah. loop one, it kind of just it loops around your wrist so it, it doesn't open out. Is that the Velcro one? The, is that the one you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, the there? new one, the new Velcro one. And it's like Oh, I'm sorry. It's the new hook and loop one, my mistake. Yes, it's not Velcro. Velcro is a is a trademark thing. It's like a very anyway. But uh <laughs> And it's the same as like the Milanese one, like the metal one that kind of, it just like slips in and loops around on your wrist. Those don't lay flat on the desk. You kind of lay them on the side. So I don't think it will work if I want to use this band. Yeah. No, I mean, now here's the thing, Mike. I'm, 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 I totally understand your position because, I, and I will do you one a thousand times worse, which is I love, love my black metal Yes, link band yes my evil empire band which is incapable of even collapsing to any extent right it's it's just a like a beautiful ring of metal that is not flexible and so i i know that i'm going to have to make some kind of trade-off with how that charging is going to work when i'm traveling is like maybe i just won't be able to bring my beautiful favorite band with me when I'm, I'm traveling as much but it's like I'm going to have to make a decision about that with how that works when I'm on the road. But I am aware that like I am not giving up that watch band. So I have a um yeah, I have I have a 12 south dock that I use to charge my watch at home. That's a, you know, holds it up vertically and I'm I am aware that that's going to have to stick around if I'm going to keep my metal band. But for for traveling purposes, I'm willing to make some kind of compromise about what Apple Watch bands do I bring if I can get the benefit of the wireless charger, because I really hate bringing the separate Apple watch charger. I really do. I find that kind of, I find it frustrating though, because this is the new band that they make and ship by default with the watches mm-hmm. and they're making a charging pad that won't work with it. And I understand the technology at play, but I figure you should work. You find a way around this. Like there should be a workaround. Uh, and maybe, maybe you can just loop the band underneath, right? And it will work. Oh, yeah, that's a thought. And if that works, then great. But if there is no way to make it work with the sport loop, I'm going to be very disappointed because 
this is the band this is the band you make like you have apple has like a whole selection of bands that don't completely detach mm-hmm. right like they have the buckles and there's lots of them so there are a lot of their watches that don't lay flat because they don't detach in the middle the bands don't detach in the middle and so are they saying that their fancy wireless charging thing will work with none of those like that is a i would find that to be really frustrating honestly I, i'm thinking i'm thinking maybe maybe my evil empire watch right it will not bend but can i can i take the air power pad and bend it to the watch's will like will it will it roll up into a cylinder and i can slide the cylinder into the middle of the watch will that oh, work i bet that that is that it is the pad is a is a solid in the middle uh, I, I like this idea i like this idea look i'm i'm not going to be the first to do it but when these things come out somebody out there has to try rolling it up to right to like like a paper towel roll size and slide it in the middle of the watch bend and see if it works Maybe that's Apple's plan. Maybe that maybe that's the way it's going to work. I hope. I so. really hope that's yeah. I hope so too. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that that would be way more convenient than just bringing an Apple Watch charger. Is <laughs> rolling up my wireless charger every night to shove it through my watch band. <laughs> A plus plus, way more convenient. <laughs> so, Gray, when we were preparing for today's episode, right? I. I was doing something on my iPhone um, and I put my iPhone down and I went to make coffee. And also at the same time as making coffee, I was preparing some Lemsip, which is a drinking paracetamol type thing. I don't know how to describe Lemsip for our American audience or a non-UK audience. What is there something we can compare Lemsip to? No, there isn't. Hmm. And part of the problem is, as someone who has been brought into the Lemsip world by moving into the UK... I feel like there's also a you can describe what the thing is, but there's also there's also like a like a psychological comfort that surrounds Lemsip. Yes. Which is difficult to explain. Okay, so I have like a slight cold right now, and it's one of those uh-huh. annoying colds that isn't it's there, but it's not enough to knock me out. So it's kind of just like floating in the middle and it's really frustrating. So mm. I'm taking Lemsip, and Lemsip is like a cold and flu remedy. It's mostly paracetamol based. Uh it's flavored in some way and you you melt it in boiling water and then you drink it like a tea effectively Mm -hmm. it's like a tea with healing properties (laughs) it's a magical tea (laughs) but but yeah but that's exactly what it feels like i'm drinking i'm drinking magic happy tea it's like i know this will make me feel better even though i don't want to have it like it's magic it's magic and i there is a the only good flavor of this is apple and cinnamon in my uh, mind, you, you are so wrong. Lemon is the only acceptable. Lemon flavor. is the worst possible flavor, no. um, and apple and cinnamon is only available in the winter. So I stockpile it. I buy huh. like four or five boxes every winter, so I can keep it just in case I need it in other months of the year. Um, le- the lemon one is the hell version. I can't believe that you like the lemon version of no. lemon. Le- lemon is the best, but you do need you do need just like a like a half teaspoon of sugar to take oh, a little we'll bit see? of the no, edge but off. No, but no, that's because you don't need to do that with the apple and cinnamon. You just need what is there. See, you're, you're modifying it. It's not, that's not right. It's not right. You're adding to it, right? The lemon is bad because you need to add to the lemon. You don't need to add to the apple and cinnamon. The apple and cinnamon is is what it is. Anyway. <laughs> Cortex, where people come for all their lemon sip recipes. <laughs> I was making I was making my Lemsip and I wanted to set a four hour timer so I knew when it was mm-hmm. okay for me to have some more. So right. I opened you on my Apple Watch and I hit the little button to reset the timer. It was at that moment that I realized that I think for the first time in many years, 
I am very content with my technology. Hmm. Everything right now is working for me, either at the level that I expect or is exceeding my expectations. So, like, right now, my expectations have been exceeded by the iPhone 10 because I've been mostly unhappy with the rate of iPhone development over the last couple of years. Like, mm-hmm. I've said in many places, probably on this show as well, that I was disappointed with the iPhone 7 mm-hmm. because I felt like it took away more than it gave as a device. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you lost the headphone jack, lost the physical home button, and didn't really gain anything except for waterproofing, in my opinion. Like, there was just nothing that that phone really gave me other than just like the general iterative improvements of speed and better cameras. Mm. Um, and then, but the iPhone 10 has not only given me more improvements, it's, it's done them at a rate which has been uncharacteristic for the last few years. So I'm really happy with that. The Apple Watch 3 is a great iterative improvement on a, on a relatively new product. It moves so fast now. I love the cellular connection to it. Like it works great. And then I was thinking like my iPad Pros, the 10.5-inch iPad Pro is the best iPad that's ever been made, in my opinion. And the 12.9 has just continued to get better and better. So I'm really happy with those. And then, like, even outside of my Apple technology, like, I love my Nintendo Switch so much. Like, it's my favorite <laughs> gaming console of all time because it is the dream console for me. It is the console that I can play the same games no matter wherever I am. And the games are just getting better and better. And we're going to talk about those in a minute. They're just getting better and better. And I am a big fan of the Amazon Echo. And we just added another device to our house. So we have three Amazon Echoes now. So we have complete home coverage. And (laughs) both me and Adina are doing more and more with it. And we're really happy with it. And I kind of realized at that moment that I'm very happy with the technology that I have in my life right now. I I don't feel like I have any major gripes. I don't feel like I have any areas that are not being fulfilled. You know, like, Mm. I I know that lots of people are unhappy with their Macs, but I have an iMac, and my iMac is more than I need for what I do. Like, it's so powerful. I have the 5K iMac, and that thing is perfect for my usage. Like, I feel like my technology needs are being met and exceeded now by the companies that I use. And I'm really happy about that. It's it's good to point that out because, uh, of course, on a podcast, it is always easier and more fun to complain about things. No, I decided that this year for me was the year of optimism and the year of positivity in the Hmm. things that I talk about. Because I noticed that last year... I wasn't having as much fun talking about technology as I'd had in previous years. Because admittedly, mm. there were a lot of things, if you were in the Apple camp, which were just boring and annoying, right? Like a lot mm. of the stuff that they was doing, I think, was falling into one of those two camps. Yeah, yeah. We definitely went through a bit of a valley of darkness. And then at WWDC this year, they gave me everything I wanted from a software perspective. So I decided that for... The year of, like, as I, I start, I believe that, like, Apple's year start and ends at WWDC. So it's like they, they have their own start and end to the year. Oh, yeah, of course. Just like schools. Exactly. And so considering how happy I was with that, I decided that I was going to be more optimistic and appreciate the things that I like. And Apple has been very good to me in that everything, all of the stuff that they've done since WWDC has been great. And that was my belief. That was my hope that they were in a that last year was like a rebuilding year. And they'd mm. made some changes and that we'd hopefully see the fruits of that starting now. And I think that for me, 
I'm seeing that. And I know that there are some people that are frustrated about like the laptops and stuff like that, but I don't care because I don't use the laptop that much. Um, so in my year of optimism, I have been uh, granted with all great technology. It's been brilliant. <laughs> It's interesting you say that because uh, again, like I, I, uh, I agree with um, the general case, and it's, it's it's similar for me. Like I'm very happy to have the different sized iPhone that I, I've gone from like mm, sort of unhappiness about it to this, this cautious optimism that like yes, I do have a size that is is physically much nicer for me. Uh, I do love the new version of the Apple Watch, and I don't, I don't think we really talked about it very much on the show, but they did make it faster which find which which makes it now feel like oh this is a real thing like it's it's really interesting like maybe the interactions and the and the notifications and things pop up only 20 percent faster in reality but they've crossed some threshold that makes it feel like it's twice as fast yeah it's crossed the threshold to feel like a risk computer for me it yeah, feels yeah. like it's actually doing stuff on its own in a responsive way like it feels and and the lte connection definitely helps with this in my mind because Mm -hmm. i less and less get hit with like can't do it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like you know and there's still a bunch of apps that need to support the complete independence that the lte chip gives it but on the whole i feel like the device has crossed the threshold into becoming its own little thing yeah that's exactly what it is You're, you're right there by saying it it now really feels like it's it's living up to the promise of being a wrist computer Mm-hmm. And it it feels much, much less like you're on the moon calling back to Houston and seeing, you know, hey, were there any text messages? Right? And then six light seconds later, you get a reply. Yeah. Or like, you know, Siri would be like, I'll tap you when I'm ready. That kind of thing, which I know you hate, right? It's, it's just <laughs> yeah. so frustrating. I feel like I get less of those types of things where like the watch is off doing its thing and it will get to my request when it's ready. Mm. I do have I do have a little bit of an asterisk to this but it's still i'm realizing just as, as i'm thinking about this topic that it, it still leads to a, a same thing like i feel like i'm i'm pretty happy with the state of technology now and, and so, so my asterisk is i still haven't found the ios 11 transition with the ipads or one that i've really enjoyed and uh, as i mentioned Boo. earlier in the show <laughs> and earlier in the show it, it, the iphone isn't helping that and I've noticed myself kind of pushed away a little bit from the iPad because of it. Uh, just just finding some of the things to do a little bit awkward. And through a series of just like happenstance in, in the kinds of projects that I'm working on right now and, and some of the things with uh, the way my office just happened to got, get set up, uh, I didn't actually set up my new office in the glass cube with the iPad like the old one was. I ended up setting up my new office using a, a laptop and external monitors. And oh, I'm very disappointed in you. No, no. What are you doing? Part of the reason that I did that is I'm using a, a ton of stuff on Final Cut in the past few months and the upcoming months. So okay. it's like, I have to have a computer for that. Okay, I'll accept that. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no Final Cut on, on the iPad. So, it's, But like, this is part of the thing that would just like happenstance. Actually, to give you a sense of the Final Cut stuff, if I open up my computer here and I take a look, my, I, have a, I have a folder with a Final Cut project in it that is currently sitting at 
12 terabytes in size. Holy uh, moly. <laughs> okay, yep. No no iOS device is helping you with that project. <laughs> yeah. So even if I could smush it down into an iMovie project, I don't, I don't think they sell any, uh, I don't think they sell an iPad with a 12 terabyte drive in it yet. Um, but I just, but I just want to mention this because uh, I've just found myself over the last little while suddenly with a dramatic increase in Mac usage versus iPad usage. And as someone who has been living the multi-pad lifestyle for the past several years, going back to the Mac for a lot of stuff, it's interesting, but like I actually feel really pleased with the whole situation. Like having to work on on my Mac for long stretches of time. I know people complain about the Mac, but I feel like it's a really solid production machine, which is exactly what I need out of it. Like I'm sitting down to do specific tasks and I'm I'm just aware that it's working really well for me and it and so even though I'm I'm in a bit of a different situation here, I like I'm finding the same thing. Like I'm pretty happy with my tech setup as it is right now. Like I still I don't, don't worry Mike. I, I don't disagree I still with use... that, right? Like the production uh-huh. I mean I've always said like the production, the shows, mm-hmm. you know, they are occurring on the Mac and I have no desire to change that. Like, there's that shouldn't have been really any different for you from what it was before because you weren't making videos on your iOS devices. I just want to make sure that you're not abandoning the predominant iPad <laughs> work lifestyle here. This is very important that you don't leave the cause. Why is it very important that I don't leave? Why, why I'm I'm not getting because, involved in your because, ideological wars, no, because Mike. If you move away, all of those Mac people are going to be like, "See, we told you, we got one back." Right? I can't take that. Well, okay. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not involved in your ideological differences here. Uh, I'm just I'm just simply saying, in the past, I'm going to say two or three months. The vast majority of my working has been on a Mac. Now, there's an asterisk to that, which is essentially all of the writing still takes place on an iPad. Whew. Like I have an I have an iPad in my office, and I, I use that for all of the writing. But almost everything else is happening on a Mac, and I'm I'm just I'm just very happy with it, including administration. Yeah, I've ended up just doing administration stuff oh, on no. the Mac as well. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike, I, I was just trying to tell a little story about how I'm happy with my technology setup. And so now you've made me unhappy. Yeah, but you can't get attached to your tools. You are not your tools, Mike. You have to use whatever works great. I am, I'm very perplexed that iOS 11 has draw, driven you away. I mean, I'm seeing there's, there is a trend of some individuals that this is occurring to. And it seems very peculiar to me because from my perspective, iOS 11 is vastly superior to iOS 10 in almost every way. Mm-hmm. There are just things that I've gotten used to, and you just have to get used to some interactions changing, but the overall flexibility of the operating system has increased multiples in multiples. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I agree iOS 11 is, is the correct direction for the operating system to go. Uh, I'm just simply... Like I mentioned before, I find it more frustrating on my on the iPad that I use for administration where I'm use, moving around a bunch of stuff. And like, I was just aware of, of finding a little bit of mental resistance to doing a lot of that stuff on the iPad. And so it wasn't through any kind of intention, but I just found myself drifting back towards using the Mac for it's like, Oh, I have a spreadsheet and an email and I'm replying to someone in Slack about a thing. 
And so that's why when I set up my office, I decided like, I'm just going to, I'm going to roll with this and I'm going to use this as like command center Mac. Um, but the iPad that I do the writing on where I have, I find stable pairs of apps like that. I still prefer to use the iPad for, and I still do use the iPad for that. Um, but I'm just, I'm just finding that I'm, I'm using the mm-hmm. Mac for, the Mac has taken back a lot of the work that I used to do on an iPad several months ago. And I'm, and I'm totally fine with that because I'm tool agnostic, Mike. You should be tool agnostic too as well. I, did, I, wasn't, I was not expecting this reaction at all. I'm, I'm very sorry, Mike. You seem, you seem hurt. I'm not hurt, but it's just like a... It's a frustration because I feel like, you know, we were there at the forefront of trying mm-hmm. to, yeah, of talking about iOS and iPads as productivity tools. Mm-hmm. And you taking a step back from that, you know, that's, 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 this is going to start to weaken the argument for the multipad lifestyle. Multipad, like, multipad lifestyle is a, is a thing that exists in the world independent of us, Mike. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need proponents. It makes perfect sense. I'm I'm just I'm simply describing my own situation and my own working tools here. We don't need to be figureheads. That, that's not the way this works. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, I can I already know how Mike of the I know in the same way that when I was talking about my laundry, I was getting specific messages, and I know I knew where people were in that episode at that point. Right. There is going to be a period of time in which I am going to start getting messages from people <laughs> and I will know where they were in that, in that moment of this episode. And I look forward to the point where in the future you turn around and go like, what was wrong with me? What was I doing? You know, I was in a haze. I was in a Mac haze and I'm back 120% to living the iPad lifestyle. I'll just wait for that moment and I'll look forward to then. Okay. Maybe when you're done making all the videos that I'm sure you're making right now. Well, well, again, I'm I'm tool agnostic, so I'm very happy to switch back when it makes sense to switch back. I'm just simply saying yeah. for what, a certain kind of what work for me tool, right now. What is this tool agnostic? This is the new phrase you're throwing around today. Where where did all this come well, from? Well, because I'm I'm trying to explain I'm trying to explain the situation in a, in a way that you, who is a, a tool fundamentalist, <laughs> is is seeming to not be able to don't understand. Don't paint me. Don't paint me. All right, this isn't this isn't fair. I don't want to be painted as as anything specific now by you mm-hmm. because you start saying these things and then everybody goes along with it. Like I'm not having this. All right, <laughs> because I've always said like my Mac has my as its place as the important center of my production, but mm-hmm. everything else that I do with my business is done on iOS. Now I don't consider that as being like agnostic to tools but like appreciating tools for their function right like yeah, i feel like it's a slightly different thing but like you start calling me a, a fundamentalist or whatever and then this is going to be a thing that people start to call me and then i don't want that i mean yeah no I, i'm not saying people should call mike an ipad fundamentalist that's that's ridiculous uh, and crazy right that's not a thing that you should do you wouldn't want to tar and feather him with with word like that I, w- I would be above encouraging people to do something like that because I'm I'm just floating here on this ethereal realm and picking whatever tools happen to work for me at any particular moment. And right now, for certain kinds of tasks, I find myself using my Mac to do those tasks. But in the future, I may reach down and, and use iPads again to use those tasks. It just depends on, on what is best at a particular time. I was making my Lemsip and I opened the Google Doc 
and I typed in some bullet points for a really happy topic, which was then going to take me into talking to you about video games. This wasn't how this was supposed to go. I feel I feel bad too, Mike. Like I wasn't expecting this reaction from you. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought we were I thought we were both going to have a nice conversation about how we're we're very happy with I'm our very, tools. I'm and, very and I happy was, that you're very happy. I was simply going to just mention this interesting thing that I have noted in a in a change in my own in my own behavior. Right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. So this is the difference between uh, cortex lunch and real lunch. Okay. So in real lunch. I would be like, oh, that's that's really interesting, because um, it is really interesting. But in Cortex Lunch, I now know what happens afterwards, which is <laughs> right, when right. everybody else hears the conversation, <laughs> and then the reactions that people have towards the conversation, which doesn't usually happen when we're just sitting across from a table uh, with each other. Because when everybody hears this conversation, <laughs> there are going to be lots of assumptions made, and then lots of things said. That's That's, that's the problem. Ah, uh, okay. Right. The prob the problem with cortex lunch is all the listeners. Is that what you're saying, Mike? The listeners are the See, problem with you're cortex doing it lunch. Again. You're doing it again. <laughs> right. This is not fair. This is not fair. You you're putting words in my mouth. I I, I I don't mean to. I don't mean to do that, Mike. I need to talk about video games now. I love cortex lunch. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. Get $30 off your first delivery and free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Cortex. Blue Apron's mission is quite simple. They want to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. How can I say something like this is simple? Well, because they'll make it simple for you. Every single Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. They ship you just the right amount of each ingredient that you need, so they're reducing food waste, but this makes it so much easier when you need to cook because you have everything that you need right there. No running to the store to pick up that mystery ingredient. You don't have to worry about whether you're using too much or not enough. They give you just what you need. These ingredients are so great. They set the highest standards for their ingredients. Blue Apron believes in that. And also, every single ingredient will arrive ready to cook or they will make it right. That is Blue Apron's freshness guarantee. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make incredible, delicious, home-cooked meals for you at home in 40 minutes or less. You can choose from a variety of recipes every week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. No recipes are repeated within a year, so you're not going to get bored. And right now, you could cook food like roasted chicken and full vegetables with cranberry and ginger compote, cheesy broccoli baked pasta with crispy thyme breadcrumbs, or what about crispy wild Alaskan pollock and garlic mashed potatoes with roasted broccoli and tartar sauce. Cooking together is fun. Families who cook with Blue Apron cook together three times more often. There's no weekly commitment. You only get the deliveries when you want them, and they have something for everyone. Try Blue Apron today. Go to blueapron.com slash cortex, and you'll get $30 off your first delivery with free shipping as well. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get started today at blueapron.com slash cortex. I would like to thank Blue Apron for their continued support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's talk about video games, Mike. So a few weeks ago... I told you to play Stardew Valley, and you told me you would play Stardew Valley. Stardew mm. Valley is this like uh, RPG type farming simulator type Sims type Harvest Moon type Animal Crossing game. Is all of those things mixed into one? Is Stardew Valley? It's been available for a long time on the PC, and it came out on the Switch like a month or so ago. And I asked you to play, 
And mm-hmm. I want to know if you've played and what you think of Stardew Valley. I have played Stardew Valley. Okay. I don't think I, I want to know like anymore. Oh, no! <laughs> this is not your day, Mike. But let me tell you, I didn't like Stardew Valley. I didn't like Stardew Valley a lot. Oh, <laughs> um, why? I promised, I promised myself. I promised myself I was going to make it through one year in Stardew Valley. Oh man, you I, really gave it the college try too, huh? Yeah, I, because 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 with many games, it can often be the case where like you have some kind of learning curve, or mm-hmm. you know, it just takes you a while to settle into a rhythm. And I definitely know that's the case with many kind of games that I play. That it can t- it can take a while. There's a lot to learn. Uh, but a, but a year in Stardew Valley, as far as I can tell, is like an infinity of subjective experience of just tilling the ground and pulling the turnips out like some All kind right. of peasant it's there are a couple of things that i need to ask you though right so i can try and assess how much of a accurate try you gave this game did you build sprinklers i built sprinklers do you have i built beehives oh man yes i had chickens in the game that would have really tipped you over the edge yeah that would have gotten me playing faster i was very excited about the beehives beehives by the way had one of the best mechanics which is they shut the hell up and produce honey for me right great I don't need. I don't need to be. I don't need to be like with these chickens going into the barn every day and hand pulling out strands of hay to give to these stupid chickens so that they'll keep laying eggs for me. Right? It's bees. They know what the deal is. You, like you make honey. That's your job. If you keep upgrading your coops, they start to be self feeding. Yeah, only the only the final coop is is self feeding. I, I am mm. I'm aware of this, but it's like. I, I was I was rushing towards that final coop as fast as I can, but it's like stuff takes a long time in Stardew Valley. I'm very upset about this. I really hope that you would like this game. So I can see. Here's the thing. I can see why people would think that I would like this game. Um, because I often say that I like work simulators, and boy, boy, is this game work. Uh, it's work on very many different levels. But what I, what I realized playing this game is that all of the things that I think of as, as work simulators, there's a key thing that I never really recognized, which is some, some level of management. Whereas like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing the work directly. Like I'm, I am managing characters in the games that are doing the work for me Wait, you're not managing or... the truck driving though are you you're driving okay. the truck okay but so truck simulator truck simulator is an interesting case but even it has a tiny bit of this which is that you have employees who very quickly can start earning more money than you're making on your, your actual routes like there there is a level of other people are making yeah it. but you still drive the trucks though like you're not they're just sitting in an office <laughs> waiting for people to come back <laughs> Yeah, so truck like truck simulator is is the closest thing that to like what is an actual work simulator because you are doing the job. Although again, like truck simulator to me falls into the category of barely a game. Um, but Stardew Valley is what just struck me to me as as the worst of this kind of thing because it's, it's it's work and it's tedious. Like you have to plow the little fields. You have to plant each of the seeds one by one. Like you need to then pull these turnips out of the ground one by one. 
and then you need to drop each of them into the box over there. Okay, so and, I like, think that you don't uh, get the feeling of like calm that people get from these types of games. So like what you're describing this like one by one. You like you you are describing it as like a monotonous repetitive activity that you don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. But what I get from this game and everyone that I know that likes this game gets from this game with the farming aspect is a this is nice and simple and easy and like relaxing. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel when I'm playing the game. But if you don't get that kind of feeling from these types of games, then you're not going to enjoy the farming aspect of this game. Yeah, th- this game is very much like tilling a garden, right? Like it's a it's thing a you're Zen, either going to like, enjoy feeling. or you're not going to enjoy. Yeah, like I kind of just feel a kind of just a I'm playing this game and I can listen to podcasts and just relax and just keep playing it and if I want to go and do a thing, I can do a thing, but really all I need to do is just make sure that I'm kind of just looking after my farm. Right, yeah. I, I I totally get that. And and this is, you know, to do bring up truck simulator. It's 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 the exact same argument there. Like if if you don't have a sense of mindless zen driving truck simulator, truck simulator is not for you and it looks like it's insanity. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I guess the difference between like Stardew and truck simulator is like truck simulator is just like movement without really doing much. You're just adjusting every now and then whilst the type of feeling for Stardew is the zen and the repetitiveness where there's not really a lot of repetitiveness in Truck Simulator. Yeah, like if we're getting like down and dirty into the mechanics, that's that's exactly what this is. It's, it's like, how does a game hold your attention? And Stardew Valley is like the active version of a Truck Simulator. It holds your attention by asking you to do these repetitive tasks over and over again. And I can totally see how this zones someone into a particular state, right? Whereas Truck Simulator is like attention without action. Like it's, it's a much more empty experience, which is why I, I totally get when some people think it's, it's like insanity that someone could play it because you're not doing anything. And I feel like uh, my brain is much more rewarded by that experience, like the empty attention of nothing is happening versus you have to pay attention to this thing and repeat the same action over and over again. Like there, there is something hardwired in my brain that just hates the repetitive action, like really deeply hates the repetitive action. So Stardew Valley was, Damn. was not, was Damn. not for me. And well, now again, I don't understand why are you so invested in me liking Stardew Valley? Like I find that kind of funny. Well, there's a couple of things. One, I love this game, mm-hmm. um, and I was convinced you would like it because mm-hmm. it has a lot of elements that I know you enjoy, but I think the implementation yeah. is different. Mm-hmm. And there's like another part of it, like there is a multiplayer version of this game coming. <laughs> okay. with, but it's right. like a, it seems like it's a very hands-off multiplayer where like mm-hmm. you and some friends just share a farm. Right. And I thought it might be just a fun game we could play. You thought we could be friends sharing a farm together? I like playing games with my friends, but this is like a multiplayer game where we don't need to necessarily be actively playing, I think, is the way right, it works, right. like together, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it can kind of be a bit hands-off-y. It's my understanding of how it works. Like, I don't understand the complete mechanics yet because it's not available, but I'm, I'm just frustrated about this because I was, I was 
sure that I'd found a game that you might like. <laughs> I will say, though, the more time I put into it, the less convinced I was of this. Oh, you, you had a, dro- a growing sense of uh, well, dread as, because, as time went on? Because after you do a lot of like the automation that you would do for a farm, so like you're, there there are things as the game goes on where you are able... Well, basically, all you're doing is, is harvesting the crops eventually, right? Right. Because all the animals get fed themselves, all the plants get watered themselves, right? Like it's that becomes way more hands-off. Yeah. And the part of the reason for this is because then you can start to explore a lot of the relationship focused aspects of the game, which I figured you would have absolutely zero interest in. Oh my god, yeah. I, Once I, I, I got I, I to could, my second ugh. year, I got way less convinced about your ability to enjoy this game. Yeah, it it, it was funny because I could I could feel I could feel Stardew nudging me into hey. Do you want to play Social Obligations, the game? And I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, that was like, when I started is... to get really nervous because I was like, he's not gonna like it. He's not gonna like it. And yeah, I was right. Yeah, but it's like it's like there's all these funny things where it's like, I see what you're doing, game. I see what you're trying. Like, I'm I'm just trying to head off to this corner of this cave so I can fight some skeletons and collect some copper so I can get these goddamn sprinklers built way faster. Uh, like that, that was like my number one activity. Is like, how do I convert nature into sprinklers? I spent an entire winter in the mines getting all of the ingredients <laughs> that I needed to build the sprinklers. I, like I had sprinklers by summer. <laughs> I was there just immediately. Like not everything, everything is dedicated to getting sprinklers. Because if I have to water one more sunflower, I'm gonna kill everybody in this village. <laughs> Ooh, you can upgrade your watering can to copper. Like, no, I'm not interested in this. There will be no watering cans. Um, but so, like, I could I could see the things where the villagers were, you know, they're like dropping hints about gifts they want. I'm like, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Or like, I accidentally gave someone a present and they complained about it. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate this so much. I don't even know how I gave you this thing. Mm. I didn't want to. And now you're complaining. You're complaining to me about this gift. Like, you NPC. Like, just get out of my way. I'm trying to move right past you here. Um, but, like, so that that said, I do have to give, I do have to give Stardew Valley two huge points point number one uh is the the visual style of it the pixel art the pixel art is just gorgeous and and breathtaking it's maybe one of the best retro pixel art implementations i've ever seen in a game that's a style that lots of games imitate i think because it's probably easier to do or cheaper or faster to do in some ways but it's also really easy to make look like garbage and and stardew valley just looks gorgeous from start to finish every part of the little village the caves the monsters like all of the crops the animals i absolutely just love the look of it you know seven out of five stars in terms of graphics is amazing uh and then the the second thing which i again big points to stardew valley it was, and we're going to get into some minor spoiler territory here if anyone wants to play Stardew Valley. But that opening, the like the way the game actually yeah. starts, yeah, I love it. It's like, wow, I have watched movies that have gotten less of an emotional reaction out I of me. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, yeah, than the opening of this game. So like, so it's like you think like, oh, I'm going to go play some farming simulator. But it starts out like with this really grim shot of you just in this cubicle. And 
they they just establish so quickly this feeling of like this is not really what you thought your life was going to be and you're just in this cube and it's gray and grim and it's like it's it, it just like man it, it was pitch perfect and I, I thought what it was just a good example of art evoking emotion in people so like I, that i thought yeah. that that opening was brilliant was really really well done did you know this game was made by one person a hundred percent of it the music <sighs> the writing Holy the development and the art all one person now um this the, the the developer's name was concerned ape is the company was the one person it's now uh being published by a company called chucklefish who are mm-hmm. helping with a lot of the advancement and the ports of the game and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but stardew valley was made by just just one guy i think it took well, nine years i think I, I, i'm i'm not surprised uh like it's an incredible tour de force to do that like, even though the game's not to my liking obviously that this is this is like a I wouldn't have believed that a single person could do this. It's 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 astounding. Um, but like that combination to be able to do the art that well and the like, and the music is great too, mm-hmm. and also have the programming skills to be able to implement it. Uh, I feel like that is a that is a rare combination. Yep. And uh, I, I <laughs> like the game seems like it's very successful. It and is. Yeah. I hope that person is just rolling around in piles of money from this game because they deserve it. They totally deserve it. That's astounding. Wow. Luck- luckily, I I have other friends that play the game and we play and we talk about it together. So I I was thinking that you might be the only person that I know that would care about Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. but I was wrong. So I'm happy. Yeah. Well, you recorded an episode of Top Four. When yep. you were discussing the singles of Stardew Valley, yeah, is that right? Yeah, I, me and the uh, and Tiff and Marco Armin and Alex Cox, we rated our favorite four, uh, four singles, our top four singles, uh, single people in Stardew Valley. Um, <laughs> so people can go listen to that. And we talk a lot about our love of the game. So, like, it, you know, if if you're here and you're either A, interested, or B, sad about the fact that Cray also doesn't like it, you can listen to that episode <laughs> and you can hear us talk about our love of the game in great detail. It was worth a go. I'm going to keep trying until I can recommend a game to you that you enjoy. I'm going to keep going. Uh, I don't think I've been able to do it yet, but one day I'm going to get there. Yeah, and To be fair, I'm a hard person to recommend games for. I've recognized this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I've definitely found the game you're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but but nonetheless, I do want to reemphasize like I am glad to have tried it. It it's not a game for me, but it's um like a, as someone who plays a lot of games, it, this is just an interesting game to have at least tried and have a mental framework for 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 something that's that's very different. And and I like I did enjoy the opening and the the art is just gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous so i i love it for that um but i will uh i will not be starting again in the spring to uh manually dig out some new crops and plant them I think one the by thing one. i'm most frustrated about is the fact that you actually played it for an entire year <laughs> i was thinking like if you didn't like it at least you just maybe played like 5 days and was like nope and then i could be like oh you didn't give it enough time <laughs> but after a year playing the game for an in-game year if you don't like it i can't imagine that you would like it 
So yeah, uh, yeah, and and uh, the in game the in game time is a long time. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't know how many hours it is, but a year is a long time in terms of actual hours. <laughs> it's enough time to know if it's for you. It's enough time for sure. <laughs>